Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober. One of the most nutritious foods you can eat are eggs. But like all foods, with eggs, it's very important to find ones which are properly sourced. Among other things, look for eggs which are pasture-raised, organic, and treated humanely. Here to talk with me about eggs is Ryan Miller, president of Farmer's Hen House. Farmer's Hen House began with three family-owned Amish farms and has since expanded into over 50 farms and become the second best-selling egg brand in natural supermarkets. Ryan, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yes, thanks for having me on, Aaron. I'm glad to have you here. Eggs are one of the first foods I remember eating. I just liked the taste of them back then, but then years later do I find they're actually one of the most nutritious foods you can eat, yolk and all. Yeah, they're very balanced when you you know compare proteins and fats and vitamins, um, they're very well balanced. Yes. So how did you first become involved with Farmer's Hen House? Well, um, the founder, Eldon, of Farmer's Hen House, no relation, even though he has the same last name, um, lived pretty close to where I grew up. And he approached my dad about getting involved with him in 2000. And I was in college at the time. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I was in college to be a teacher. And um, then, you know, I graduated. Um, I taught for a year. I started graduate school. And then we moved back here to Iowa so I could finish graduate school at the University of Iowa. And at that time, the business started to grow. That was about 2004. Um, the business was growing and my dad was looking for some help. And um I said, yeah, I'll, I'll help you for a couple of years um, while I'm finishing graduate school. Uh, it'll take me about two years. I've got class at night. I, you know, need a place to work during the day anyway. And so that's how I got started. And I wasn't intending to be here longer than those two years. But um, I did finish graduate school and everything, but I'm still here today. So what happens to short thing you thought during grad school ended up into your lifetime career? Yeah, I got in a little deeper than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> and since you've been there, what's happened with as far as expanding the company? Uh, yeah, we've grown quite a bit. I mean, we're several times uh, larger than we were at that time. And, you know, the whole natural foods category has grown a lot since. Big time. Yeah. And yeah, one of the most interesting things is just seeing how the food system works. And there's just so many factors to it and everything that goes into all the products in the stores. Um and, you know, in the egg industry, we're still the, the natural or the, you know, organic and free range and pasture side of it is still, you know, nowhere near half the industry. So there's still a lot of room for growth there. Um, but we've seen it grow quite a bit um, over the last 20 years. I think that's good. I think it's, it seems like a lot more people, per, higher percentage of people, consumers, are more interested in where their food comes from and what type of food they're eating and, um, you know, things like that. Yes, I would agree that the pasture-raised eggs is still rather a small part of the natural products industry. Mm -hmm. We are seeing it growing. We are seeing more. But a lot of the ones, such as I do, what's actually my most popular article is about 
pasture-raised eggs, talking about the best products, which of course Farmer's Hen House is on the list. And a lot of these ones are pretty new, I've discovered, only in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, that segment, the, the pasture-raised segment specifically, yes, is one of the newest segments. Um, and one of the things that's interesting, we've seen the organic portion of it grow um you know faster than the non-organic portion yes which has been interesting as well because it is more expensive too but you know long term we think it's more sustainable way to farm and that kind of thing um but it is more expensive yes and going with that have you seen people react differently from when you first started to now when you say you're involved with natural products. Yeah, earlier on, you know, people were like, what? You know, they hadn't heard of it as much. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I see that here. I see that those kinds of things at my supermarket. I think that's been the that's been probably the biggest change I've seen, you know, in the last 16 years here is that, you know, natural and organic products can be found virtually across the grocery store spectrum rather than just some conventional stores and then all the natural food stores that you you can find those products virtually anywhere now. And that's been, I'd, I'd say that's probably the biggest change. And so as I explained at the beginning, Farmer's Hen House, you partner with a number of different farms. It started with the Amish ones and now it's over 50. So what do you look for in farms to partner with? Well, um, of course, one of the things we look for is, you know, proximity to our processing plant here in Kelowna. So you know, the closer, the better. Um, but also, um, one of the things we didn't look as close to earlier on, because we used to also have a decent amount of cage-free, where the birds lived in open barns and everything, but didn't go outside. Now, you know, all of our stuff goes outside, whatever, you know, whether it's free-range or organic or pasture-raised, you know. Um, so now a big thing we look at is, okay, uh, what is your land look like where we could put a chicken house for outdoor access? What kind of, you know, accessibility things for birds? What does that look like? And then also, you know, another factor is we have, we have a lot of organic crops grown in this area and we like to, you know, look for farms that are already growing some organic crops. That way, you know, they have, you know, another way to utilize them. But also we like that model of them being able to use the crops that they grow with their own birds and, you know, keep that cycle going. And then, of course, people that we think are going to be, you know, good, responsible operators as well. Right. So when you're talking about the crops, mixed farming, that's a big thing that we advocate on the appropriate omnivore because that's a way we can actually get more vegetables and fruits growing because there is only a small part of land really that can grow just crops. So that's why I'm an appropriate omnivore is because... I encourage farming of livestock as a way to be able to actually have more vegetables that we can grow in places where normally you wouldn't be able to grow them. Mm-hmm. Right. And here, here in Iowa, where we're located, we are blessed with fantastic, you know, soils. So, you know, it's a great place to be growing a lot of stuff. <laughs> you were talking earlier about how before pasture raised doing cage free and that was a thing really before the term pastries came about, the whole idea was free range and cage free. And, but what a lot of people realized that the issue with those labels was that for instance, free range just meant that the chickens had access to the outdoors. Right. Right. The main, the main difference between free range and pasture raised is yeah, they've got access to the outdoors is the sheer amount of space that's provided outside pasture raised, you know, 
is at 108 square feet per bird and free range is, you know, more like two to five square feet per bird, which is still a good amount. You know, birds get a great chance to go outside and stuff, but it's just not quite to the same level as pasture raised. Agreed. Pasture raised is a higher standard. And as you were saying, though, with your free range, all of your birds are allowed outdoor access. Yep. Yep. And in addition to your pasture raised certification, there's another feature of yours. And this is, I think, the newest feature that we're seeing, not just with eggs, although we are seeing it with a number of egg companies, but I've seen also beef doing this and a couple other products in the natural foods industry, too, is a traceability feature. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we partnered with the company uh, about a year and a half ago now, once we got it up and rolling. So we started the project, you know, probably a year before that. Um, we take some data that we collect while we're um, processing the eggs, and then that's one piece of the data. And then the other piece of the data they collect directly from our egg grading machine. And they take that and using blockchain technology, they take that, organize the data and then connect it to the mobile web page that um, the QR code takes you to. And then it prompts you to put in a couple pieces of information, identifying information from the end of the carton from when we've run it across, you know, the dating information and the timestamp. Um, and then it uses that information to tell you what what farm those eggs came from. So we really like that as a way to communicate to the customer, like, you know, when you buy a product, you don't think about all that went into it. And, and we really wanted a way to connect the customer to like, oh, this came from a real farm, a real farm family. You know, here's what it looks like. You, you know, this is a little bit about the farmer, you know, like putting a face to that product is really what we want to do and, and, and give customers a way to know yeah you know this is this is the real deal this is, i'm getting what what i thought I was getting yeah so it's something certainly that appeals to a person like me because i'm the kind of person who is actually written into restaurants when they say they serve grass-fed beef because well the thing is when you say it's grass-fed beef well all cows are grass-fed at some point and i found that a lot of them weren't yeah. actually serving 100 percent grass-fed beef so i'd ask them what farm they source it so to have a product like this where you can trace where the eggs actually come from, it appeals to me, and you know, I, I hope that this is also appealing to a lot of new people as they're discovering this concept, and it, it becomes kind of the new normal. Now, does yours differ from other traceability programs that other companies use? Yeah, you know, I'm aware of the one that one of one of the companies uses where. I think now it's printed right on the carton, and then you can go on the website and look up that farm. Um, other ones have used a number on the end and you go on the website and then you insert that number that's associated with that farm. So ours is a little different in that it just uses the data that we're collecting, you know, as we're processing and bringing the eggs in off the farms and using the blockchain technology to organize all of that. And do you see traceability as the future of natural products and possibly food overall? Yeah, I think that it's going to be something that's popular with just food overall and won't necessarily be more popular with conventional or natural. But I think just as from the standpoint of people wanting to know where the food comes from, but also from the standpoint of retailers, when it comes to like produce and some of those things, you know, when they've had some of those outbreaks, being able to trace it back and just from a quality standpoint of being able to quickly stop any sort of problem with an outbreak and and diminish how much product needs to be recalled and that kind of thing. 
Um, that's a good point too. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that. Yeah, I, I think that's going to become a bigger thing. And then also, you know, I think in the meat, it seems like people are more interested in understanding exactly like your example with the grass fed beef, like having that assurance that this came from those places and being able to trace those animals. I, I think that's going to be a bigger deal in the future as well. I think so. We're already starting to see it. I think the first step for that actually was with some of these restaurants where they say on the menu or up on the board, the farms they source from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is then the next step. So we talked earlier about Eldon T. Miller, the founder of Farmer's Hen House. And in what way do you say he's influenced the way Farmer's Hen House is today? Yeah, I would say the way he's influenced how we are today is sort of the way we do things as far as sourcing from our farms. That's probably the biggest thing is that we're, you know, we're committed to using family farmers and committed to, you know, trying to preserve their way of life and their ability to, uh, you know, make a living on, you know, without having a giant farm and farming conventionally. Um, A lot of, he really started a lot of the organic movement here in our area in the nineties. And, and it was really a reaction to, well, if we already do some of these practices and we have a little bit smaller farms, how do we keep them viable? Um, we can't just keep producing the same conventional products we've always been producing and be able to stay on the farm. So this is a good alternative. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling. And then, you know, people found that, oh, well, we're already doing a lot of this. It's a way to have value-added products. And so today here in our area, we have organic grain, organic eggs, organic milk, organic produce. I'm probably forgetting something, but I know that there's just a lot of organic operations here in our area. Right. If I understand correctly, Elton T. Miller also was the founder of Kelowna Supernatural, the dairy company. Yes. Yep. Yeah, which I think is actually it's one of the best organic dairies around. So I can see his commitment to these organic products, organic dairy, organic eggs, and also commitment to it really before it was a thing. Is this, he was maybe about 10 years or so ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yep. I know another part of Farmer's Hen House is you have the Certified Humane Program. What's involved with getting the Certified Humane sticker on cartons? Yeah, so you go through an inspection process. You know, they have their guidelines for everything from, you know, how often you check your equipment to what's your space allowance per bird, how many drinkers you have per bird, how much feed line you have and nest space and all those kinds of things. And then, you know, that you're tracking temperatures and how much they're eating. So all those kinds of guidelines. And then we have production manuals we give to the farmers and records for them to keep daily records and weekly records um, for them to keep that our compliance manager checks on. And then that's how we maintain the program. And then you have annual inspections by the certified humane folks and they come out and make sure that um, your measurements match and that the care of the birds is, is that way. And we really went with a third party certifier like that. Like we could, we could try to list out all the things we do and all that. We just felt like it gives our customers a, peace of mind that were the way the practices were using by using a third party auditing company like that. Oh, I think it makes sense to use a third party auditor because yeah, like you said, you can just list all of them like on the website or stuff, but to have a recognized thing because certified humane, a lot of companies now use, and I think people are familiar with it. So if they like other products with it, then they'd be attracted to yours and it's an easy way to then 
to look it up. I just, I think there's comfortability in something recognized like certified humane. Right. Right. Now you're talking earlier about farms you source from. So have all of them remained within the area of Iowa and surrounding states? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much we have here in Iowa, two communities here in Iowa, one's about 80 miles south of us. And then we have a few farms in northern Missouri. Yeah, that pretty much covers it. Those three communities. As you're sold nationally, have, have you looked at all into like expanding into uh, other farms in other areas? Um, there's been times we've looked at it a little bit. Um, because we process the eggs here, um, unless we, we've never had, you know, enough volume to look at, right. um, like putting another processing facility somewhere else, it would be a little, a little bit inefficient. And so hauling them from further away. And then because we're blessed with great, uh, farmland here, you know, we're, we're close to the grain source. And so it works out pretty good for us to produce the eggs here in the Midwest, uh, where the grain is at and then ship the finished products out further to customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And also in terms of development, have you looked at doing any other certifications? Because currently you have, you have organic certification and we're qualified as pasture-raised. You have the certified humane. Any other possible certifications you look into? Um, we've looked at non-GMO certification before, but at this point, uh, it just hasn't made sense for us yet because you know that's understood through the organic seal on the organic side it is yes yeah we've kind of toyed around with it but we haven't decided to do make any changes from what we currently have right because and that's the thing a lot of people don't realize about the non-gmo certification is it only applies to the food using non-gmo seeds or in terms of animal products being given a non-gmo feed it actually doesn't mean that like the food weren't sprayed with glyphosate, even though glyphosate is used in, in GMOs, but it, it you know it doesn't have anything to do with, with what they're spraying on it. So I think you know the non-GMO project is a great thing for ones that aren't able to do the whole organic certification. Right. But yeah, the organic certification I see as a superior certification. Yeah. I know some of the newer certifications now, a number of different organizations have ones for regenerative agriculture. And is, is that something at all that Farmers Hen House is considered investing in the future yeah yeah i think it's something we're, we're looking at and it and it's one of those things where you know it's uh we're learning about it and also you know what exactly does that mean you know um obviously we're with our current barns we want to have you know we want them to have pasture growing we want them to have some trees there um some of them have some other animals that use part of the pasture you know some of that stuff um, I'm sure there's some things we could improve in those areas, but I think we're we're already doing a few of those elements um, already. I think so. Most of the farms I find that are going into the regenerative agriculture certification, they certainly have some of the practices, and that's what makes it easier to then work with it because they're already doing it somewhat, and it kind of fits with the overall direction that they're going into. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, exactly. Another thing which I really admire about Farmer's Head House is your processing plant, which is powered 100% by solar energy. So what made you decide to do this? Well, we'd actually looked at wind first, and I was pretty excited about putting up a windmill. And then for, because there's a lot of windmills in Iowa, I think, I think in Iowa, we're getting close to at least a third of our power is produced by wind and solar. And we looked into that, it didn't quite work out. We weren't in as good of you know, wind channels as, as I would have thought. 
and actually my banker was telling me about he was like you know i think solar is going to become a bigger thing and bigger thing and it was it was becoming a big thing and with in the hog industry in the county just south of us you know they started putting them on the roofs of their hog buildings and stuff like that and then our local rural electric co-op um their offices are pretty close to us we are located in one of the smallest racs in iowa but they were pretty forward thinking and they um they said hey you know, we really want to put in more solar. They'd had some small solar installations for quite a few years, but they said it's becoming a lot more economically feasible. Uh, we really would like to do a big project, but it's most efficient if we have a heavy user right next to it. Would you look at, you know, giving up some of the land or renting us some of the land next to you and work together on a project? And then, so it worked out that, um, you know, they knew all the technical side of it and how it would work. And I said, Hey, yeah, I mean, I know it's not going to lower our electric bills today, but the whole point of it was to keep our, our electric costs down, you know, 10 and 15 years into the future. So that's how that's how it came about that way is they really drove the project um, from the technical side and all that. And they, you know, first they put in uh, five acres of the nine acres, and then a couple of years later, they put in the remaining four acres and now that there's nine acres there, it's more than enough to power an entire plant. And then the extra just goes out into the grid uh, and gets used by, you know, homes and businesses in our area. Wow. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> great. Yes, that is an important thing to know about solar is that it doesn't often pay off in the beginning. But with the rising costs of electric bills that, yeah, down the road, like 10 years, which that was what I was told when I had the solar installed in my house was that, they showed me a thing, I think it was like eight to 10 years at that point to actually, what I'm paying for the solar is less than I will be paying for electric. Right. So that's really what's about is the future, both about you're paying less and also just <laughs> the whole issue of, of saving energy and, and reducing carbon emissions because you know, yeah. it doesn't so much affect us now, but it's what happens in the future. Right, right. And so now our power is, it comes from right beside us when before... Um, I, through this process, I learned a lot of how the electric grid works. A lot of the power for our RAC was being piped in from as far away as Missouri, you know, and different places and however that marketplace can ship stuff. But obviously when you're pushing a lot of power over those metal lines and those wires, you know, there's a certain amount of loss of energy and some of that kind of thing. And I think that's part of the reason they wanted to put it close to a heavy user. They wouldn't have to transmit it as far and some of that. So, you know, it's nice to know we're produced, we produce the power right here, it's used, you know, it's more efficient that way. Yeah, less carbon emissions and the whole, all, all that goes with that. And solar really has taken off as, I think, the fastest growing source of renewable energy because, yeah, it certainly was the beginning because I know for a while it was hydroelectric and, and there was a lot of wind power, but mm -hmm. now solar, it, it has a lot of advantages and it seems to be actually be able to use in more areas because wind power, there's a lot of places where you can't get wind. Solar, people think if you don't get a lot of sun, but the country with the most solar panels is Germany and they get less sun than Seattle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just a, a lot can be stored during the day. So, I mean, because sometimes people say to me, well, Aaron, you live in California. Of course, you you get sun all year round. But no, solar can work pretty much in any state here because it's we all get sun during the day i mean if you think of it like if you've ever used 
like a solar calculator, that still works, you know, even in the winter seasons. Right, exactly. And this this past winter was the first time where, where we had a lot of snow stick to the front of them because they're obviously at an angle. And usually, even if it's cold out, as soon as the sun's shining, it melts everything off, you know, or it just slides off. But we had just the right consistency of snow. It actually stuck to them for a couple of days, but everything still went fine. But yeah, normally it doesn't even matter, you know, with a snowstorm. And I know the angle of the solar panel is a concern to some people because if you have a flat roof, you can put them anywhere. But if not, some are concerns about the sides of the roof being east and west instead of north and south. But mine are essentially east and west. But the west part is somewhat facing the south, so I have them there and they work fine. Okay, yeah. So in addition to being certified organic and humane and doing mixed farming along with the solar energy, what other ways is Farmer's Hen House sustainable? Well, we, um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we put an emphasis on our farmers being able to grow some of their own crops. That's sustainable because there's not as much, you know, trucking involved, but also it's a good way for them to utilize the land that's right there. Packaging as much as we can. We use recycled materials. Uh, We use pulp packaging. Uh, We do use a little bit of plastic packaging, but that's also made from recycled, you know, pop bottles and such. It's PET. So those are some of the other ways that we're trying to be more sustainable. And in terms of the future of Farmer's Hen House, do you have any new products in development? Uh, We have a few things we're working on a little bit, but nothing nothing imminent that's like going to hit the shelves here in the next month or two or anything like that. And where can people find Farmer's Hen House eggs? Uh, Quite a few places. Anywhere from like here in the Midwest, Hy-Vee, Target, um, natural food stores um, to Sprouts and natural grocers, Whole Foods West, um, natural stores down as far away as Florida, a few up in the Northeast and the Northwest. So a lot of places like that. And you can you can uh, check out our website on our Where to Buy page. We have the stores all cataloged there where you can put in your zip code, which stores and which products are available close to you. Excellent. So we're just about out of time, but before we go, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners about Farmer's Hen House? I would say just, uh, you know, we strive to serve, uh, you know, the farmers, but of course uh, uh, the farmers don't have a market and we don't have a market without the customer. And so our ultimate goal is to really serve the customers well. And our goal is to, you know, when, when customers buy Farmer's Hen House eggs, we want them to feel like, you know, they're buying a product that's produced in the way they're imagining it's produced, you know, from a family farm where the birds are having a great life, uh, you know, with the ability to go outside have nutritious feed, clean water, all that, all that stuff. But um, yeah, that it's a, a good situation for everyone involved. Love it. And for the listeners to be able to learn more information about any of your practices and the different products you sell and like you're talking about earlier, where to find the place they can buy them in their local area, what's the web address? It is farmershenhouse.com. Excellent. Ryan, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's all for this episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. New episodes of this show are now released every Wednesday. Next week, I interview Sarah Keogh, an eco-nutritionist with a practice called Understanding Egg, as we discuss her take on fake meats. Follow me on social media for more information on the next episode, and to make sure you never miss any of my podcasts, go to iTunes and subscribe to The Appropriate Omnivore. You can also listen to all my podcasts on my website, appropriateomnivore.com. There you can find recipes from the guests I interview, 
Plus, all of my articles covering lifestyles in the world of real food. Until next time, my pantry is officially closed.